Mayor Stafford's ready when you are. Thank you very much. Um, good morning, everyone. Uh, the meeting of the City of Sacramento City Council Budget and Audit Committee will come to order. Would the clerk please call the roll to establish quorum? Councilmember Guetta? Here. Councilmember Jennings? Here. Councilmember Vang? Here. And Mayor Steinberg? I am here. Um, welcome to the members, to the staff, and uh, to the members of the public. Did we do the Pledge of Allegiance for committee hearings? I forgot. Not typically, but we can. No, no, it's okay. We'll, we'll save it for the, we'll save it for the, uh, the afternoon and evening meetings. Thank you so much. Uh, today we um, have a very important meeting where we, uh, the staff will introduce uh, the proposed 2021-2022 budget. Um, do I turn it over to um, our Director of Finance, Don Holm? So, Mr. Mayor, we have two items on the consent calendar, and I have no callers oh, yes. on either item. Of Is there a motion? Uh, any questions on the consent calendar? Uh, Mr. Mayor, this is uh, uh, Eric Guerra. I'll, I'll move the uh, consent calendar also with uh, direction for uh, the city auditor to uh, come back and discuss the outreach efforts on the whistleblower hotline at a different uh, 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 at a different uh, budget and audit committee. Okay. Mr. Mayor, I will second that motion. Thank you so much. Uh, is there public testimony, Madam Clerk, on the consent calendar? There is not public testimony. Okay, then let's call the roll. Councilmember Guetta? Aye. Councilmember Jennings? Aye. Councilmember Vang? Yes. And Mayor Steinberg? Yes. Consent calendar passes. I was so excited about the proposed budget overview that I started <laughs> with that. So uh, now we get to it. I'll turn it over to our Director of Finance, Don Holt. Welcome. Thank you, Mayor. Good morning. It's an unusual time to see you guys in the morning. And, yes, uh, good morning. Um, we're ready to talk about the budget today. So, as the Mayor stated, I'm Don Holmes, Director of Finance. Good morning, Mayor and Committee members and all the staff that have attended this morning. The proposed budget was released on April 21st and is attached to this report and available on the city's website. Um, the proposed budget is balanced and totals $1.3 billion from on all funding sources. This is actually almost the exact same budget uh, dollar we had in the current year. We're also at a $1.3 billion budget. Um, fund makeup has changed a little, but it's pretty much a status quo budget in many ways. Oh, I am not. I better share my screen. Sorry. Can everybody see my screen okay? Yes, it looks good. Thank you. All right. So our general and measure U revenues, you know, when we went into the pandemic, we expected significant revenue shortfalls and we made a lot of adjustments in the current fiscal year to address that. At mid-year, we brought a lot of those revenues back up, but even since mid-year, we've learned more and you know we've made additional adjustments to property taxes. We've, um, despite being held to a lower threshold for property tax growth, normally we would get a 2% growth. The governor directed the 
um, assessors throughout the state to keep that to 1%. And so even with that, because our region is growing so fast and we've added new housing inventory, as well as a lot of um, transfer of properties, we've got more people coming into the city, we've got people leaving the city. Um, our property taxes are still growing at a very good pace and we're increasing, proposing to increase them by 4% over last year. Sales tax um, has not really, you know, we're, we're really rebounding on our sales tax side. Um, in Measure U, we're up over 14%, and in the general fund, 7%. And again, we've talked before, but, you know, the two taxes, even though they both, people see them as sales tax, because we get Measure U from outside of the city, it's just growing at a faster pace when you think about the value of vehicles and large equipment that's being brought into the city it is growing at a faster pace than our general fund sales tax. And then cannabis has also grown since mid-year. We are proposing an increase of 20% since mid-year. It's another seven and a half million to bring our cannabis business operations tax revenue to just over $20 million. What we didn't know at the time of building the 21 budget, and we didn't even have a lot of information at mid-year, was the impact the pandemic was having on department revenues. And we've learned a lot more through budget development on the impact of department revenues. As you can see, we've actually included in the budget a write down of four and a half million in general fund revenues and another four and a half million in our other funds, gas tax, water, and fourth R. And this is primarily, a lot of it's due to closure and you know people are home more, you know, simple one in police. People are home so you're not getting those false alarm calls. Community development, our counters are closed and we're doing inspections differently today because of social distancing and the pandemic. And so we've had to change how we do business. Um, I think our recreation programs kind of speak for themselves. We were, you know, even though as we start to um, rebound from the pandemic, they're still dealing with um, social distancing in space. And so it, even to provide the same program today means less children served, more staff, more space, and so our revenues are projected to be less than they would be in a non-pandemic year. The pandemic also has, you know, because of our revenue shortfalls, where, you know, we've experienced the largest shortfall is in our community center fund and our parking fund. And those funds, you know, they, they depend on tourism, on offices being filled downtown, our restaurants being filled and people driving into downtown to patronize them. And both those revenue streams have taken serious hits. While we made corrections for them in the mid-year budget, we need to make additional corrections in those funds because they're just not rebounding as quickly as we'd hoped. We, we see some light at the end of the horizon on this and we we're hoping to start seeing things. I know that um, the League of California Cities is hosting a conference at our new community center in September and, you know, very excited to, you know, start seeing tourism come back. But until that happens, we do need to address the shortfalls in these funds. Um, as reflected in the budget, these funds are not balanced and we have not adjusted them to include resources from the American Rescue Plan. So if you look at them in the forecast, you will see that these funds are negative. These funds need approximately 3.4 million in the fiscal year 21-22 with a projection of needing $18.8 million through the end of calendar year 2025 in order to meet their legal debt obligations. And as we start to talk about the American Rescue Plan, we will have more discussions on this because we do have the legal obligation to make these payments. 
And even as we reopen, these funds won't be able to make up what they've lost over the past several year, year plus, um, even as we begin to move forward and it will take time for them to rebound. In the budget development, we've really, you know, kept it to a minimal and we've focused on really things council asked at mid-year council asked, you know, that we quit calling things one time that were permanent and ongoing and that we really start to look at, you know, what the needs are and, and build them into the forecast. And so um, funding in the budgets included for arts and participatory budgeting, um, respite centers that council has addressed to operate. Um, we've included only $3 million for that. We know depending on the model council chooses, we may need, you know, upwards of $10 million. We funded the first $3 million based on direction at mid-year. Um, and we will have to have further conversations as um, Director Dean brings that information forward. Our youth programs, um, additional funding is included for that and essential core services. We're proposing to add 18 positions. 16 of those are in the general fund. And all but four of those positions are fully reimbursed. Um, the ones that are general fund are in the city attorney's office, city clerk, finance, and our information technology. And those are critical positions needed in order to continue moving forward with, you know, the federal funding we've gotten, the programs, um, managing our virtual meetings. And so those are proposed to be included in the budget. As far as you know, what we've actually built and what's in there is ongoing versus one time. As you can see, we built the respite centers, youth pop-ups, free bus passes for our youth, thousand strong and additional funding for mayor council into the ongoing budget. This means it's included in all years of the forecast and will be, you know, we've already assumed those costs with appropriate growth in the out years. The one-time funding included, it will cover 2.6 million for our creative edge program the two and a half million for the North Sacramento Library that was um, deferred from mid-year to this budget, as well as the million dollars for participatory budgeting that was in mid-year that we've moved to um, this budget. So those are included as one-time items. In an effort to provide more transparency and make our Measure U funding more in line with the intent of Measure U, we've revised the forecast this year. Instead of focusing on funding by department, we're moving to a programmatic view of funding. As you can see in this chart, we've kind of lined it out by program. One request we had received from the Measure U Committee, they really liked the new approach. They did ask that we continue to provide and highlight the public safety funding so that they can easily see it. And so you'll see that, you know, we've got a subtotal there for public safety um, so that it's easy to see what fire police and YPSI are getting. Additionally, we've included the details on Measure U funding in the department sections of the budget and SBI 5 included in the supplemental information provided to um, with the agenda provides additional detail even further. One final piece that we're working on and we'll be releasing to the Measure U committee next week will be a historical look. They've asked us to go back and provide a historical look since the second half cent was approved in November of 18 and show them what the funding looked like then versus where we are now. And we're working on a staffing chart for that and a historical budget uh, chart so that they can see where the investments have changed over time. Well, I said that the budget's the same dollar, the general fund did, and Measure U funds did change by about $53 million. 
Um, a large portion of that, more than half, is related to um, labor increases, which includes pensions, step increases, position changes, insurance, workers' comp, Medicare. Um, we have eliminated the salary savings that was in last year's budget um, to provide the departments the resources they need to continue moving forward as we reopen. Um, the second half of the SPOA contract, the first half because it was approved in December, was included in the current year. This now picks up the second half of the contract council has already approved. Hey, Don, Don, can I jump in just for a second here? Sure. I just want to remind that this, uh, this forecast and this proposed budget does not include any of the contracts that are open for negotiations this year. Uh, one of them is about a year overdue and we're still working through those, but uh, it's not reflected in any of the numbers you see here. I just wanted to make sure that was clear. Thank you, Howard. Yep. And then we have, you know, there, there's our general and auto liability insurance continues to increase. Um, something you'll see on our next report, um, which is our fee and charge report, you're gonna hear following me. Um, Jason will go into that, but it's got a $3.6 million general fund increase. And you know, it's important to note that during the pandemic, departments have been very careful in where we change fees and what we change. The biggest portion of that change is actually related to the solid waste authority and the change we're making with that. That results in 3.1 million in new, in new expenditures, but it also has 3.1 million in revenues that go with that. And so that's the largest part of what you're gonna hear in the next report. Um, we've included the additional 800,000 we have planned for the library and 700,000 just to address the growing costs of our basic operations, um, maintenance, equipment, utilities, janitorial, and security. So here's our general fund forecast. And as I mentioned at the beginning, the general fund and measure, general and measure you fund are um, balanced. And they're only balanced because of council's commitment to setting aside resources as mid, with mid-year to address future budget development. As we moved items from mid-year to the new year, we also requested that we add five and a half million as a reserve to close any potential gap in the fiscal year 22 proposed budget. And so you can see on this um, forecast that we're proposing to use the five and a half million dollar reserve, and that will make us balanced for this year. While, while the forecast um, you know, has negative numbers in the out years, it's nothing council hasn't been seeing for the past few years. And actually the negatives are getting a little less as our revenues are getting stronger. Um, the forecast also does not include any use of the American Rescue Plan. And as Howard mentioned, any resources for future labor growth. However, despite the significant revenue growth, our expenditures are still outpacing our revenues. And while the goal is to maintain our ongoing expenditures below our ongoing revenues, we have, we have and will continue to strategically use one-time resources from year-end in the American Rescue Plan to the extent allowed to address the projected deficits in the out years. Inclusive economic development, as we began discussing in fiscal year 2018-19, included funding for community support, which includes things like animal care, 311, council district funding, fuel network, um, housing and homeless services, economic development, and youth. This chart reflects an average investment in more than 47 million a year over the past two and a half years since the second half cent was adopted in November of 2018. This does not include all funding for measure use supported items like public safety and citywide operations. Additional information on the details of the funding included in each category is again included in the supplemental budget information provided with this item. 
final budget information for the prior slide is number five in case council members or committee members um, want that reference. Thank you. So our enterprises are also being challenged. We've talked about community center and parking funds. Um, solid waste fund is balanced and through fiscal year 25, it, it, it can maintain on you know, the existing fund balance and, and projected revenues and expenditures. However, if we don't make changes in either how we do our operations or to a rate increase, the solid waste fund will begin to go negative in fiscal year 26, the last year of our forecast. Storm drainage fund, we've talked about a lot. It requires a ballot measure to make that change. But again, it's surviving on fund balance and limited resources are available to address any infrastructure changes. The water and wastewater funds are balanced throughout the forecast. Just quickly on our outstanding liabilities, just wanna make a one important note on our OPEB liability. Council adopted an OPEB liability funding policy as well as we implemented changes in our OPEB benefit structure. In 2014, when we started down this path, our liability was $452 million. We've reduced that by over 50% over the past six years. And that's through council's commitment to funding this liability and to making the tough decisions to make structural changes so that we can begin to eliminate that liability. As you know, development of the budget takes a large effort. We couldn't be here today without the support and direction of the city manager, our assistant city manager, um, the entire executive team, department fiscal staff, and most importantly, my budget team. I wanna thank everyone for their hard work. And with that, I've concluded my presentation. We have staff from all departments available to answer any questions that council may have. Thank you very much. John, can I ask you to flip back to that chart on the one-time and ongoing costs, please? One time and ongoing. You go further back in the presentation here. Oh, I know your time. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, I, I've been. Uh, we're remiss in adding one item on here. I had some conversations with Councilman Guerra, uh, RE, the uh, fuel network, and I want to put in our proposed budget a, uh, a five hundred thousand uh, dollar proposal to continue the fuel network for a period of twelve months. You know, we talked about this in previous budgets and in mid-year, and it's just been a real challenge to do any fundraising to make this uh, self-sustainable. And I'd like to put that number in with the caveat that as the American Rescue Plan comes in and we understand what those guidelines are, that we can maybe trade out general fund for ARP dollars. And I see that Councilman Garrett has his hand up, so maybe uh, I'll, I'll turn it over to him. Sure. Thank you, Mr. Councilman Geddeck, go ahead. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll keep this short. I know we've got folks uh, in public comment. Thank you, uh, Mr. City Manager. And I, I think we're gonna get more information too on how best we can balance uh, general fund and ARP funds. And I think the uh, the creative proposal of, of putting in uh, 500,000 and then figuring out where we can uh, backfill with ARPs is a good uh, is a good approach there. So uh, I'd like to support that effort, Mr. Mayor, and making sure that we put 500 in the budget here and then figure out how we move forward on uh, as we get more guidance with the federal government. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we're not taking action today, but I think that should be the intent of the committee. I know I fully support it. Um, and I appreciate the city manager and uh, the champion for the program, council member Getter, working together to, to help figure this out. Um, whether it's out of the general fund measure U or ARP, we wanna continue this very important investment. So 
we'll, we'll work that out. Um, I know we have 11 callers. Just a couple introductory comments, and then I will we'll turn it over to the public, and then I will um, have some further comments. I'm sure my colleagues will as well. Um, first of all, thank you to the staff, Don, you and your team, team manager and your team. Um, I know, you know, we'll spend an hour and a half on this or whatever. This takes months of work to actually think through and put together um, an initial budget document. And you do great work. And I uh, just want to say on behalf of the city council, we're very appreciative of your laying the foundation for us to have this discussion and debate. Um, second comment. I think context here is important as we debate this year's budget. Um, it's almost a miracle that um, we have a, a proposed balanced budget and actually shrinking red ink in the out years, given what the society and the city has just been through with this pandemic and the impact on our economy. Um, and, and I think we should feel some gratitude about that, that we are not um, sitting here talking about cuts um, much less massive cuts to uh, public safety, to community investment, to all the things that are, are important to the city. Third, I think it is really important that we recognize that regardless of, uh, uh, of the decisions we make in this budget, this is only the beginning and part of the 21-22 budget process because of the American Relief and also the, the state budget, which I know the governor is putting out his May revision on Thursday. There is going to be another budget chapter, which is all going to be additive <laughs> because we're gonna be able to take the benefit of the federal and maybe state resources and, and actually make very positive investments uh, in our city. And, um, and, and so I just wanted to say that. And then uh, after we hear from the callers, I do want to talk about exhibit 5B, because I think it's a central part of, um, of context again for how we proceed with this year's budget. Why don't we turn it over to uh, the public? I know we have 11 callers. Let's hear from the public and then we'll turn it back to the city council for discussion. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. May I have my first caller, please? Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee. Thank you. I'm Al Good morning. I'm Allison Cagley, and I'm with District 3, uh, and I've been in District 3 since 1986. I'm the Executive Director for Friends of Sacramento Arts, and we were established in 2018 following the publication of the Creative Edge Culture Plan and the number one goal to provide arts education for all children and youth. I respectfully urge you to approve the 2.64 million in the budget as outlined on page six of the budget for the Creative Edge Measure U Fund. This is an investment in a much larger vision for restoring and sustaining a thriving creative economy through grants to artists and arts organizations. This line item finances and provides artists in neighborhoods through events, community activities, and partnerships with local organizations an investment in the health and vitality of our neighborhoods, especially those hit hardest this past year. These funds continue the commitment made in 2018 by the city council and community leaders 
to invest in a robust creative economy. These funds will provide arts education for the children and youth who are the future of our city and part of the constituency you've been elected to serve. Please prove this investment in our city, our residents, and the creative economy. I want to thank very much the city staff for all of their work and for our elected officials for your leadership and dedication to our city and the residents. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, please. Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee. Thank you. Hi. My name is Carol Rogers. As a survivor of gun violence and the volunteer leader of Moms Demand Action here in Sacramento, I'm surprised and disappointed to see advanced pieces not in the budget proposal. Supporting sustainable funding for community-based and locally-led violence intervention programs is a priority for our group, which includes Moms Demand Action, Students Demand Action, and Every Town for Gun Safety, which has also sent a letter to the city in support of advanced peace. The COVID-19 pandemic has intensified the impact of our country's gun violence crisis, and programs like Advanced Peace have seen, been on the front lines of both COVID-19 and community gun violence, messaging public safety responses, distributing supplies, and mediating conflict before they escalate the violence. By improving the health and well-being of those most affected by gun violence, we will put an end to this crisis that is plaguing our communities. A historic spike in gun violence should equal a, a historic investment in solving the problem. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, please. Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee. Thank you. Hello, everyone. My name is Nicole Zanardi. I'm the fuel removal defense attorney at the RLA Foundation. Um, I'd like to thank the committee for considering the continued inclusion of the fuel network in the budget for fiscal year 2021 through 22, and share that this funding will provide very necessary and important legal support and representation for indigent and marginalized members of our Sacramento community. Um, despite having a new administration, the need for representation in deportation proceedings is still very great. Um, there will continue to be a huge need moving forward. Many Trump-era policies are still in place um, and will continue to have a negative impact on our immigration system and those within it for a long time. And further, we have a huge number of removal defense cases that have been backlogged because of COVID and new cases coming in every day. Sacramento residents are still being arrested by ICE and put into deportation proceedings on a regular basis, and many of those folks cannot afford to pay for legal representation. Um, funding of the fuel network will allow us to continue to serve our most vulnerable residents by protecting their due process rights in court um, and helping them to fight their case and remain with their families in their Sacramento community. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, please. Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee. Good morning, uh, committee members. Ernest Wazir uh, is my name uh, from Sac State, uh, the Center for African Peace and Conflict Resolution. I'm a professor of criminal justice and chair of Sac State. And I'm really today speaking on behalf of the African community. I think my colleague Tony may have spoken earlier on. 
uh, to thank you for your support over the years uh, for the food grant and to continue to ask you to continue to support uh, with the budget. It has been very helpful in our building and mobilization of the African community around the issues of immigration and related family assistance. And uh, the problem of the COVID-19 has, of course, added another complication to the uh, already difficult circumstances of protecting the immigration rights of members of the African community. And when I say really including the Caribbean uh, in the community, uh, so thank you for your support, and I hope you will find it um, beneficial uh, service to the community to provide additional funding as requested so that we can continue to work um, in, in maintaining the health and wellness of the community and protecting the rights of this critical segment of our, of our community. So again, thank you very much for your support. Peace. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, please. Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee. Good morning, councilors and mayor. Um, my name is Joe Cardillo. I'm a resident of District 4. Um, I wanted to offer a couple of comments, um, two specific comments as it relates to the proposed budget and on a few specific budget points. Um, I gave a lot of thought to Councilmember Harris's comment last week during the conversation uh, regarding liability um, and the use of force as a, as a last resort. And so one comment is um, about financial liability. Um, I grew up in Albuquerque, which has a 20 plus year history of paying out suits for excessive use of force. Um, that's at least 64 million in the last decade alone. Um, in many, many cases, it involved deadly or near deadly use of force on residents experiencing homelessness and or a mental health crisis, um, along with other factors such as higher, more consistent levels of force used because of direct and indirect racism, according to the data. Um, that's not a track I wanna see Sacramento go down and social support programs, including housing the unhoused, crisis intervention teams, et cetera, a reduced stress and likelihood of intense confrontations for both police and residents alike. Um, in many cases, police officers should not be the lead um, or perhaps not present at all for some cases. Same goes for fire and rescue personnel who do an admirable job but may not be the right inter uh, intervention in many cases. Um, and so investing in these areas is critical um, if we want to avoid that type of uh, liability bill. And so it's a fiscal responsibility issue. Um, and the other item is really an ethical and moral one. And it's a debt that I think we're all pretty familiar with over the last year. Um, who carries the burden? Who makes the tough choices? And so I want to be really clear in saying I strongly encourage you to reduce the police budget to 2019, 2020 levels, pull it down by 30 million, move that money to the Department of Community Response to accelerate that critical work, um, making sure that folks who are unhoused, folks having a mental illness um, or crisis are having an opportunity to, to survive and to thrive and I also encourage you to fund a number of those other measures that Councilmember Valenzuela raised, uh, emergency housing fund, public works, et cetera. These are common sense, meaningful, impactful budget items. And as we move out of the COVID-19 crisis. Thank you for your comments. Your time is sure complete. Will you make your final comment, please? Uh, that's it. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, please. Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee. Thank you for the opportunity to comment on the city's proposed budget for the upcoming fiscal year. My name is Brittany Nieto, and I am the program manager for community, the Community Violence Initiative at Giffords Law Center to Prevent Gun Violence. 
I'm here today to advocate for continued funding in partnership with Advanced Peace Sacramento. Last year, the nation experienced the largest single-year increase in homicides on record, a spike in violence associated with the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. In Sacramento, homicides rose by nearly 30% by the end of 2020, and as of March this year, gun victimizations are up more than 333% over the same period last year. In our state, this violence takes a disproportionate toll on communities of color. In California, violence is the leading cause of death for young black men and boys. To address this ongoing crisis, the city must maintain its investments in evidence-based community-centered violence reduction programs like Advanced Peace. The Advanced Peace program is one of the country's most promising violence reduction strategies, and numerous evaluations show that Advanced Peace has contributed to significant reductions in shootings and homicides in Richmond, Stockton, and also here in Sacramento. As gun violence spiked throughout 2020, researchers at UC Berkeley found that between 2018 and 2020, Focus areas for the Advanced Peace Program, or AP zones, experienced a 14.3% decrease in gun homicides and assaults compared to a 5.6% increase in fetal shootings and assaults in non-AP zones. Additionally, after the program's first two years in Sacramento, the city experienced two consecutive years without a juvenile homicide. Prior to 2018, this was the first time the city had gone without a single juvenile homicide in over 35 years. The Wall City budgets are limited. In, um, in March 2021, President Biden signed into law the American Rescue Plan, which contains billions of dollars in flexible federal aid and relief. The city of Sacramento is set to receive more than $112 million in ARPA funds, which can and should be used to ensure that critical programs like Advanced Peace can continue to serve the Sacramento community and residents at highest risk of being shot or pulling the trigger. The, Sac the Sacramento community is facing an urgent crisis, and the, the city should deepen its investment in evidence-backed strategies. At the very least, the city should not risk jeopardizing the project. Thank you for your comments. Your time is complete. Will you make your final comment, please? Yes. Um, I would just say that uh, the city should not risk jeopardizing the progress that Advanced Peace has made in recent years and renew its commitment to the program. Thank, Thank you for your comments. Exactly. Next caller, please. Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee. Good morning. On behalf of La, La Familia Counseling Center, District 5, I would like to express our support for the continued and for expanded funding for the FUEL Network. The work of this small but mighty group has been a lifeline for communities that often live in the shadows. During this pandemic, we have seen how marginalized communities of color and immigrant communities have disproportionately been impacted, and the FUEL Network services continue to be greatly needed. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, please. Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee. Uh, thank you. This is Andres Ramos, uh, resident of District 4. Good, mo good morning, Mayor and Council Members. I'm calling to express my strong support for Council Member Katie Valenzuela's uh, budget proposal based on People's Budget Sacramento's budget priorities um, and surveys. Uh, which would shift resources um, away from the police department um, and towards the, the Department of Community Response and other investments in youth, emergency housing assistance, and other important priorities. Um, I'd also like to urge the City Council to consider funding the City's Campaign Reform Fund, which hasn't been funded in the past 10 years, uh, but the fund still exists um, in City Code, and it would provide public financing in City elections. Uh, given that there's potentially um, potentially three council seats that are going to be open in 22, uh, considering that equity has been such an important uh, conversation topic and wanting to ensure that folks who 
uh, may not have the same access to donors and um, uh, especially candidates of color, uh, I think it's really important for the council to commit itself to having uh, an equitable perspective when it comes to who actually gets to sit at the table and, and make decisions. Um, and so I would request that the Budget and Audit Committee um, ask staff uh, to add an item to the Supplemental Budget Information Log. I'm not totally sure how the process works, uh, so maybe I'm wrong that that's the way to proceed, uh, but however it can be done uh, to ask staff to provide uh, sort of a background report on uh, sort of prior experience with that fund, how much would need to be budgeted to adequately fund um, it for the 2022 cycle. Um, so I would ask the committee to consider that in addition to supporting uh, Councilmember Valenzuela's proposed budget um, uh, recommendations. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, please. Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee. Good morning. My name is Marcus Tang, and I'd like to comment on item three to express support for the inclusion of $500,000 in the fiscal year 2021-22 budget to renew the Sacramento Family Unity Education and Legal or FUEL uh, program for immigrants. I'm calling from California Rural Legal Assistance Foundation, which is the fiscal lead organization for FUEL. Continued support for the, from the city for this program serving our city's immigrant and refugee populations remains critical as these communities have been hit especially hard by the COVID-19 pandemic and continue to face great need due to the lasting impact of the Trump administration's devastating immigration and deportation policies. Our FUEL coalition of nonprofit partners offers high-quality legal, mental health, and informational services to low-income families with the goal of helping them meet their immigration, health, and other essential needs. This resilient community is hopeful that the recent change in federal administrations will mean new opportunities for those who have been unable to obtain immigration status to finally apply for such status. And the FUEL network is committed to being prepared to serve individuals who might be eligible for these opportunities when that moment arises. Um, we thank Councilmember Guetta, Mayor Steinberg, and the whole council for their leadership in establishing and growing this program. And we respectfully request that it continue its critical investment, that the city um, continue its critical investment in our immigrant and refugee communities. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, please. Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Liv Moe, and I am the founding director of Verge Center for the Arts, and I am also the board president of the Sacramento Alliance for Regional Arts. The organization that I work for is located in District 4, and I am a resident of District 5. I'm calling this morning in support of the $2.6 million allocated through Measure U for uh, the Creative Edge Cultural Plan. I think as many of you know, uh, this last year has been particularly hard on the creative sector. We were one of the last to close, and especially for the performing arts, we will be some of the last to reopen. And that is impacting people at all levels, from organizations to individual working creatives. And the rebuilding of that sector is going to take a long time, and it's going to be really difficult. I want to thank you all for your past support, and I hope that this uh, funding goes through without any hitch because I think that uh, it's going to be really essential for all of us to be able to work toward the recovery of Sacramento. So, again, thank you so much for everything you've done for our sector so far, and we look forward to joining the city and being an important partner in, in Sacramento's recovery. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, please. Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee. 
Hi there. My name is Kate Scott. I'm a constituent from District 4 and a mom. And I just want to echo Carol and the other callers in their support for funding uh, gun violence reduction. I hope that you'll specifically consider advanced peace in the budget for the next cycle. I think we can all agree that gun violence prevention is more important than ever. And in fact, in Sacramento, I know we saw a 26% increase in homicides in 2020. And programs like Advanced Peace are really on the, the front line and have seen some real results. Um, along the same lines, you know, I just want to echo the support for Councilmember Venezuela's efforts to shift funds uh, from the police force. And this is one of those common sense solutions that we have that can actually reduce and prevent violence without the need for increased police involvement. Um, so I hope you will consider that, and I just thank you for the time to listen to our comments. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, please. Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee. Yes, hi. Uh, my name is Keon Bliss, and I'm a constituent of District 4, um, and I want to um, uh, also uh, chime in with what many callers are saying and uh, uh, call on this committee to uh, support the uh, budget proposal that has been put out by uh, Councilmember Chief Office, um, considering that a budget is a moral, is, isn't just a piece of paper uh, on a, or a spreadsheet, it's a moral document that is reflective of our values and principles and priorities uh, as a community, which Sacramento City absolutely is. The government taxes people, then reallocates money from the public collection jar and should be saying, We'll be careful with your money. Spend it in a way that reflects our values and be transparent with you about how it is spent. Um, when I look at this proposed budget outline, especially when it comes to the summary of Measure U programs uh, that will be funded, I think it's absolutely appalling and a complete misplacing of our priorities as well as um, uh, our values when we are well, we are spending over seventy million dollars uh, to staff police and fire, mostly police. Uh, with uh, investments in technology that allows them to surveil our communities, particularly uh, not just with body-worn cameras, which uh, are proven not like not to actually uh, increase accountability or prevent uh, uh, violence uh, based on over 10 years of study, but also the fact that you're willing to spend all that money on police observation devices to surveil communities, as well as unmanned aerial surveillance system programs. So I realized prior to use um, uh, prior can use, but I'm sincerely concerned that that's mostly going to go towards uh, police to surveil our community. I think it's a complete misallocation of our of our resources. A measure when we're not even willing to fund uh, youth programs at at nearly the equivalent level. In fact, the youth programs should be uh, the highest funding, along with um, community investments, which was the original promise of Measure U. Of the, of the Measure U sales tax. Thank you for your comments. Your time is complete. Will you make your final comment, please? Yes, I really encourage this committee to actually show some backbone and uh, be bold in actually reallocating our priorities to what the community Thank you for your comments. Next caller, please. Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee. Good morning, Mayor and Council Members. This is Tony Tinker from District 7. Um, I also work for the Center for African Peace and Conflict Resolution. And I would like to request uh, continued support for funding of $500,000 for the fuel network. This small group has been, the, for the past several years, provided services and addressed the needs of the immigrant families in Sacramento. This particular program um, has been 
the city has been one of the only programs of the city to lead immigrant support programs that provide targeted services to African immigrants and their families. This is highly noteworthy and important as the African black people have been especially affected by racist and marginalized efforts towards us. It is quite refreshing to see and have this body and would like to continue to have this body work on behalf of African immigrants to recognize those folks as peoples in, within our region. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, please. And for the committee, this is our last caller on this item. Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee. Uh, good morning, City Council members, Mayor, and City staff. This is Brenda Ruiz with the Sacramento Food Policy Council. Um, the budget um, proposed does not include any money for sustainable food systems and resilient and regenerative food systems uh, planning and or implementation. Uh, that's right, the number is zero. Um, the Environmental Justice Working Group currently working with, um, uh, on the general plan update um, will include a food access chapter uh, and will be coming online in December 2019, I believe is the timeline for that GPU EJ element uh, for which food access will, uh, and, and regenerative and sustainable food systems will be a part of that. Uh, one lesson we learned from the county implementation of the EJ food access policies is that no dollars are exist for implementation. So the wonderful vision that folks have to expand um, environmental justice and in a new area um, in food access can never be realized if dollars are not set aside for that. Um, we are also undertaking, the Food Policy Council with partners is undertaking a food system assessment uh, for the Sacramento County, including the jurisdiction of uh, the city of Sacramento. Um, and so we would ask that number one, our, a, a fund be established for uh, food systems and sustainable and healthy food systems. Um, and that we have some dollars in there to be able to continue this good work. Uh, we know that in several areas of where there were emergency food during COVID, may be reimbursed by the federal government. Um, at, the at the Measure U meeting, um, Director Brown shared that there had been no numbers put yet to the American Rescue Plan influx of dollars. So um, thank you for your comments. Your time is complete. Will you make your final comment, please? Sure. We need dollars in, invest in sustainable food systems funding, and we respectfully request the establishment of a fund. Thank you for your comments. Mr. Mayor, I have no more callers. But thank you uh, to the members of the public for joining us at, a, again, a relatively early time of the day. Um, shows the interest um, and passion that people have for our city and, and these important decisions that we're making. I'm going to turn it over to the members now. I, I have comments, but I'm going to um, I'm going to have my members go first. So who would like to start here. I got Councilmember Geddes hand up. I assume everyone wants to make a comment. Go ahead, Eric. Okay, thank you, uh, Mr. Mayor. I've got a, a couple of uh, points here. Uh, first, uh, I want to thank all our city staff uh, from every department. I know this has been a challenging year, an extremely challenging year to both manage not only 
our normal budget, but then the added work, uh, which would benefits the uh, being able to the, to uh, track and respond to the federal dollars, and then all the reporting that's gone into that, and and also in helping many of uh, our uh, uh, workers and residents and um, uh, and tenants and business owners who um, who needed assistance in responding to all of the the reporting requirements for the federal government just to take advantage of some of the, the, the resources here. So I know it's been a long hours for our staff and I really appreciate all of that time because you all have families as well and have even been working on weekends on to accomplish where we are today. So let me first start off with that. Uh, and to our own uh, city staff, uh, uh, Mr. Mayor, your office staff and, and, and my personal staff here as well, Coy, Alejandro, Madeline and, uh, uh, and Cassandra who have been working with our constituents. Uh, thank you, city manager. First on uh, clarifying the issue for the fuel network, the family unity education legal resources network. Uh, clearly the last four years of the Trump administration have created immense harm, uh, not only just uh, in the lack of response on the pandemic, but some of the policies, federal policies that have led to separation of families, uh, to the destruction of people's careers and lives of folks, many Sacramentans who were working here, uh, affecting not only you know their their own personal lives, but impacting our economy too. When we disrupt our workforce and we disrupt our employers, it has a, a larger trickle effect. And the fact that the fuel network has been working with this uh, on this is uh, in the last few years, uh, and I understand that some of our attorneys have, uh, who've been doing this, um, even in many cases pro bono, I, I've been feeling the burnout in the last. Time. So this is a, 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 breath, a brush of fresh air, brush of fresh air to be able to move forward on that. Uh, thank you to all the callers, CRLA Foundation. Um, you know, I'll, I'll take this moment to, to also highlight that um, in, uh, and we'll talk more about it, but Cruz Reynoso uh, with uh, CRLA Foundation had been doing much of this work back for decades. And uh, I think it's important to highlight that we are here today because of the advocacy that he uh, and the Bar Association, Cruz Nuno Bar Association, helped put this together. Uh, thank you, Dr. Uwazi and Africa House and uh, Tony Tinker for uh, enhancing the program to include, uh, you know, the, our, our community from El Caribe and also uh, making sure that uh, we uh, expanded the, the resources um, as well um, to uh, other communities that had not been uh, encouraged in there. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll just say that is a huge effort. Thank you, Mr. City Manager. Um, I want to uh, uh, also uh, bring up the, this, uh, we've taken over the solid waste authority uh, in the city. This has been an issue for many of our low-income communities, both in the North Sac area, South Sac, and Southeast area, where illegal dumping, the blight, and some of those issues have been affecting us. Uh, I hope that as we move forward in taking this, that we're addressing a faster response time uh, to be able to address some of those issues of illegal dumping. Uh, it just saddens me when I go to the Georgeson Center and we have the, uh, the Hmong community who's also uh, has an urban farm on Lemon Hill that someone will dump a couch or something right in front of their farm and in front of the community center. So the, the ability for us to respond to this is, is important. And lastly, when it comes to solid waste, uh, I want th us to start thinking uh, smartly about how we use our, our utility dollars. And that is that we have 15 refuse trucks that need to be replaced, four claws and one sweeper, let alone all of entire fleet management that we have. In the supplemental staff report, you see the number of vehicles that we have. And if we truly want to execute our climate action plan, 
we should be looking at how we look at um, uh, incentivizing the manufacturing of those electric vehicles and those heavy duty vehicles here in Sacramento so that we employ uh, Sacramentans for the future jobs of those areas. So um, I think with, uh, as the department moves forward and looks at this, Mr. Uh, City Manager, Mr. Mayor, I want us to be aggressively looking at how we become uh, the, the driver in, uh, no pun intended, uh, in the development uh, and uh, uh, of, a, of the uh, zero emission vehicles for our city needs. Uh, that means that the county and other agencies and local cities will be purchasing as the, as the state moves forward on zero emission vehicles. Um, on uh, the issue of liability, you know, the, uh, you know I, I have a question here for Director Holmes um, that we talked about. In the jury verdicts that have been coming out higher, um, in which areas and which departments have those been the, the, the areas of liability for insurance that are, that are driving them? And I understand it's not just the city of Sacramento, but it's a national trend on insurance. If you could uh, you know, give a little response to that point. Councilmember, I'd actually prefer to either report back on that or unless Shelly um, Banks Robinson, our HR director wants to respond to that. I don't think Patrick Clarity's on the call, who's our risk manager. Patrick but is on the But it's something we could definitely report back on. Oh, hi, Patrick, sorry. Yes, I'm on the call. Um, we have had a few very large uh, verdicts or settlements against the city. And I'm trying to find my list right now. Um, I know that- um, hey, hey, Patrick, it's a little bit hard to hear you. Oh, sorry, let me get a little closer to the computer. We have had some large verdicts in recent years. And that's something that um, is not unique to the city. All, well, I'd say most, if not all, our California public entities are going through similar situation with verdicts being very high, which increases the settlements because there's a risk of taking to trial and getting hit with a really bad verdict. But some of the uh, higher verdict cases we've had, uh, two have been in Ypsi and uh, one of them has been in Public Works. And I think those are probably the three that are the largest cases we recently settled in those of the departments that they occurred in. Thank you, uh, and uh, and I think you know what would be not would be good is uh, I'd like to ask for a report back on all of our uh, both not only verdicts but then our settlements. Um, you know the settlements obviously are uh, a, a way to mitigate the liability, um, but uh, what I what I think we need to be moving forward is also looking at our policy changes that help uh, us address that issue. I have a feeling in the as uh, from an, from this national trend we're gonna start seeing that the insurance companies uh, are going to start charging higher and higher fees to local governments based on uh, their policies and how much the city is at, at risk of liability, particularly with the verdicts we've seen uh, most recently. And a $53 million increase this year's budget based on part of that, I know it's most it's pension, step increase in Medicare, but insurance is, is one of those. So I, I feel we need to make, start making having a concerted effort to thinking about our departments and where our uh, our liability lies. Uh, thank you, Patrick, for that response. And if we could get a, a, a report back on that, um, the issue of uh, you know how we come through the pandemic, I I think is going to be critical. Uh, and uh, and uh, you know for those who've been able to work from home, it's helped the the city stay afloat. But many who have not had that opportunity. 
to work from home, have either lost their jobs, uh, been surviving on unemployment. Uh, if you were uh, undocumented or in a, a transitional status on your uh, status, then you weren't even eligible for some of those resources. Uh, and that's many of our service sector workers here in our city. Uh, and and that has left us in a situation where if we don't look at a, uh, how we look at our budget for transition into the uh, recovery of the, the pandemic, we're going to continue to, even though things are looking better, we've, I think, you know, the mayor mentioned we should be thankful where we are today. Uh, but if we don't start thinking about a, 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 a intentional strategy uh, for workforce development to help people get back to work and get into a, a, a position of sustainability, um, um, there isn't enough uh, resources out there for, uh, you know, rental assistance, food assistance, all of those to manage that area. We have to help people get back to work. One, I think, uh, you know, with the ARP money, uh, along with our city money, we have to start putting together a better workforce plan about where our strengths and opportunities are. There's still a demand for construction. There's still a demand for workforce development in the manufacturing area. And we see also uh, a challenge in actually recruiting and hiring folks in, in our, in our childcare industry. So uh, that goes to the second point, uh, the issue of, of childcare. Uh, other cities like San Jose and even the county of, Sac of Yolo County across the river have started doing things like stipends and scholarship programs to help those working families who can't work from home look at, at developing that. Now, whether it's through our general fund dollars or through our um, uh, ARP money, uh, you know, I, I think we need to also uh, start developing that, that point. Uh, this question is here for our YPSI department, Mario, about Fort Tharp, because Fort Tharp plays part of that role for those who cannot be eligible for a Head Start. There are resources for those at the very low income end, but for those in the middle income, the $15 an hour and higher wage earners, many of the middle class workers, uh, we, the, those, those, uh, those resources are not eligible. So Forthar and other childcare uh, provider resources allow people to get back to work. So uh, uh, Mario, can you talk about where we are on restarting Forthar, what capacity and how we can meet the income uh, how we're addressing the incoming need for workers who are trying to get back to work. Thank you, Councilmember Guerra, uh, members of the committee, Mario Lara, Director of Youth, Parks, Community, and Enrichment Department. Uh, with respects to 4th R, uh, this is a low-cost fee-based childcare program that we operate out of the UPC department. We operate at 18 sites normally, pre-COVID conditions. This, this program was disrupted severely by COVID. We are currently operating on six sites at Natomas and Twin Rivers. Uh, we plan to operate those uh, through the summer and we're working on a transition plan to get the 12 sites at Sac City Unified School Districts back up and running uh, for fall. Um, so we're th th the goal is that by fall, we'll be back operating all of the 12 sites that we were operating pre-COVID. Uh, recruitment is a big part of that. We are um, very much, um, dependent on the ability to recruit the necessary staff. We were able through, during the pandemic to retain our career staff, even when we were disrupted. Uh, thanks to CARES Act funding and the support from the council that we had, we were able to utilize the displaced staff to, to um, provide in-person uh, childcare servicing, despite a diminished capacity because of the pandemic. But that does give us the flexibility to bounce back and be able to get back into our program sites as things continue to improve. While we, while we were developing the proposed budget, obviously there, were, there was a lot of unknowns with the pandemic and how we were gonna 
manage that. So there is a revenue shortfall reflected in the proposed budget, but we think we're in a good spot, good position here, looking at how things are improving to be able to get back to those sites that we operated pre-COVID. Um, it's about, I think there are slots for about 2,500 uh, total, you know, uh, service capacity across all, all locations. Um, and we'll continue to work uh, very closely with each of the school districts to make sure that um, we're able to, to get back to the level of service pre-COVID as, as quickly as possible. Thank you, Mario. I appreciate that. And I know we're, uh, um, we're close to hiring a child care manager who can look at all of these, you know, Head Start, um, Council Member Vang and I sit on the, the SETA board, and they are looking at expanding, but they service our lowest income individuals. Fourth R and another program service are our, uh, our, our blue collar working class families who, uh, who can't, who aren't eligible for those programs. Uh, I'd like us to start working uh, uh, to create uh, with our county partners to create this regional strategy on this effort because our, we, we have uh, provide, we have family members that cross county and city borders who need make those needs. And I think with using the combined ARP dollars, we can address that. Uh, lastly, if the recruitment is the issue, uh, we should look at whether our salary, uh, and I know some of this is collectively bargained, so working with our local 39 partners on this, but whether, you know, child care workers are one of the lowest paid uh, entities, and they take care of the most valuable asset in our families. So I think we should definitely look at uh, what it is, uh, what the salary and the compensation is for our, our recruitment efforts, because we are, and uh, the proposed budget has a smaller reduction uh, a smaller budget than in years past, and some of that is potential on growth. But um, you know, if, if recruitment is the issue, uh, we should. I, I'd like us to to uh, look at that aspect and lead on on how we uh, pay and fund our childcare workers and, and folks who work with our youth. Lastly, Mr. Mayor, uh, thank you, Mario. Uh, lastly, Mr. Mayor, um, one thing that I I do think uh, is missing uh, from the budget is uh, financial support uh, to continue the advanced peace project. Uh, and whether or not uh, the, that is the direction the city needs to go, particularly right now during a time um, when we, we've had a great need, uh, I think ending it abruptly uh, uh, misses, our, uh, our, misses the, the point of what the future of the program is. Uh, I've talked to some of uh, the PBIDs who, who want to work with Advanced Peace on a workforce development pipeline with the, 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 the clients that they serve, uh, but clearly... Uh, when we went from a situation of two years of no uh, incidents of gun violence to this last year with the pandemic, it's a time for us to be supporting a program that is helping uh, and have a direct uh, access to folks. Um, I'll end with that there, Mr. Mayor, and I want to, uh, uh, I'd like to support the, 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 uh, what the callers have requested in here to move forward the Advanced Peace Program and have a, a more substantive conversation about what is the long-term um, approach addressing the issue of youth gun violence. I do want to thank uh, Councilmember Rick Jennings for being a leader in this. My first day uh, in the office uh, on the council, he approached me about supporting the, the gang prevention task force that, that revived this effort. Uh, and, uh, and in my first year, having had a, um, a grandson uh, shot in front of his grandmother's house was a, uh, was a tragic incident in District 6. And I want to make sure that we uh, don't just uh, omit this in this budget. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, and I'll leave it at that. Thank you, Councilmember Gidda. City Manager? Yeah, uh, I just want to be clear with this proposed budget, 
uh, we continue to have $1.4 million set aside for um, uh, violence prevention. And that advanced peace budget does uh, go through the end of this calendar year. Uh, but we do have an active RFP out uh, to look at uh, providers to continue the service. So we're not excluding any of the funding for violence prevention and this part of this budget. And we're, we're in the process, as I say, uh, danger close to announcing uh, those um, proposals that were selected for funding. So that will happen in the, in the coming weeks. All right, thank you. Uh, Council Member Jennings has his hand up and we'll get to Council Member Bang after that. Council Member Jennings. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I'll start um, just where we just left off and thank the city manager for that update and also um, Council Member Gatta for bringing up the whole subject of advanced peace. Um, I think we want to be very transparent as we move forward um, with advanced peace and where we are as a city. Um, we're in the middle of a pandemic or hopefully towards the end of it, but uh, people are seeing the rise in gun violence. They're seeing the rise in violence and there's not enough information about advanced peace for them to know what the status is. And they have seen it as a, a program that has made a difference in Sacramento. So I want us to be find a better way of being transparent to the to the public so they can know about the $1.4 million that we have for advanced peace, but also what is going to happen with advanced peace as we go forward uh, and whether that's still going to be an integral part of this of the core of Sacramento as it relates to violence prevention. So I just want us to make sure we're transparent as we go forward. So that would be my request of the city manager and uh, and uh, the Office of Violence Prevention. I, I too wanna thank the city staff and the city manager for their hard work in putting together a $1.3 million status quo budget. Um, there's less red in this budget than I've seen in, in a lot of years. And I just, I think it's just done a great job. Um, there is a, a schedule for additional community input. Uh, we've got four more meetings happening in May and June. Um, before we move to the adoption in June 15th. So there's plenty of chances for um, the opportunity for the community to continue to get involved in the whole program. I also wanna thank the staff in taking the council priority, the $6.25 million in council priorities uh, and making sure that they became a part of the ongoing uh, programs here in the city, Thousand Strong, the bus passes for youth, the youth pop-ups and the uh, the, the centers. And so when we talk about all those kinds of things, they've become an integral part of the city now, and they're really helping to make the city a better place for our youth, our commitment to our youth and to our citizens. So I just wanna acknowledge them and say, hey, great job, continue doing the great work that you're doing, because I know it's tough in a pandemic. And I know that to come back with a status quo budget of $1.3 million um, was, was very hard, but you did a great job in making that happen. So I'm not gonna to speak too much on a lot of this because we've got a lot more time and opportunity to do so. I wanna make sure that the public knows how to get involved and how to get engaged. I didn't wanna to continue to have conversations about where we see the holes and what we can do to fill them. We don't know the whole picture from a federal and, and state standpoint. So I'd like to get more updates and I know I will. And that's one of the things I think that staff has done a great job. I thank you for the updates to the budget 
and uh, getting us to a point where we feel comfortable going forward. So as we get more information from the state and federal, as we get more information and find out how where we actually are, I'll have more input, but I just wanna thank staff for their great work in making this happen today where we are. Thank you, council member. Council member, my bag. Thanks, Mayor. Um, so um, first, I uh, want to just thank staff for your hard work, um, you know, regardless of our debate on priorities as a council. Um, I know that we wouldn't have a stable budget without just staff's hard work. And so I want to say thank you uh, to all of you um, that worked really hard on this 800 page report of our budget. Um, <laughs> you know, before uh, Dawn present, uh, started her presentation, she noted, and I quote, that this is a status quo budget in many ways. And then you also heard from Councilmember Council Jennings um, that mentioned that this is also a status quo budget recently. Um, and um, something that I just want all of us to reflect on is that if this is a status quo budget, we really need to ask ourselves um, as council members, as a governing body, you know, what are we doing drastically different this year um, in this year's budget to ensure that our most vulnerable communities and neighborhoods are not left behind. I think for me, um, you know, I'm really concerned um, that uh, perhaps we may not be investing in the ways um, that would have the best return on our dollars and investment. And I know this conversation is a, a budget and audit, and this conversation is about our proposed budget, but I also really want to talk about and uplift um, the, uh, when I was reading the 800 page report uh, regarding our performance measure in the city of Sacramento, which I believe is incredibly important, especially for a department, for example, like police that makes up the largest portion of our budget. I think three things we should be asking ourselves, aside from everyone who's gonna be fighting for, you know, what they want in their budget. Um, I want us to take a step back and really think about the larger picture as a city. And as we talk about uh, our racial equity um, initiative, right, we should be asking our ourselves three things. How much service did we provide to the people and those left most often left behind? How well did we do it for those folks that are often left behind? And is anyone better off? Our minority communities, our most vulnerable community, are they better off? Do our most vulnerable community feel safe and healthy? I think those are the questions we need to ask ourselves as we are having conversations about this budget and moving forward. I know that this is really the beginning and there's gonna be multiple budget hearings, but I want to ask you know, my colleagues um, and folks who are watching, I mean, those are the questions we should be asking ourselves regarding the budget. Again, how much service did we provide to the people? Again, those that are most marginalized, how well do we do it? And is anyone better off. Um, I want to uplift, uh, in addition to those questions that I just asked us to reflect on, is that this council passed a resolution before I was councilwoman in October uh, to define the city of Sacramento's public safety services to include youth-centered prevention services. Um, and I still think as a council, we still have a long way to go because I don't think as a council, and I'm not talking about staff, but as a council, all nine of us, that we haven't really operationalized and really uh, prioritized funding for preventative strategies whether that's for public safety, young adults, our neighborhoods. Um, but I do want to acknowledge that I think we've begun that work, Mayor, right? I, I really do think uh, the shift and uh, the, the council, we've begun that work. Um, but so much is still 
so much still is still needed to be done to really invest like departments like Yipsy. And I'm going to put Yipsy out there because oftentimes I feel like this department doesn't get much love. Although we talk about youth funding, we talk about promoting community well-being. Um, I really want us to really support our Yipsy's department in the work that they do. Um, and also uh, in the Department of Community Response. Really, um, Mayor, it was you know your leadership, right, to really begin this department um, as an alternate to address um, issues that cannot be addressed by law enforcement. Um, and we do need to accelerate this department's work. Um, and a big part of that means that the money's gonna have to come from somewhere. And it's really important, I think, as a council for us to take a racial equity lens and really think about the ways in which we're budgeting, allocating, and how it's meeting the most uh, vulnerable communities. Um, and I want to see those dollars in the police department reinvested. Some of those now we can debate about how much, but I want to see us reinvest those dollars into the Department of Community Response. Um, I believe uh, there were callers that called in regarding Advanced Peace, which is currently housed under the Department of Community Response because there are different, um, there's the, um, the, the Department of Community Response, but there's a segment of the department that focuses on our unhoused and also violence prevention. And I think uh, um, City Manager Chan did mention that there's $1.4 million set aside for violence prevention, uh, but I'd like to, for us to be able to increase that department so that we could provide more funding, whether that's for advanced peace or other uh, critical programs that have uh, really good outcomes. I think it's important for us to increase the Department of Community Response uh, budget. Um, lastly, I just want to mention that, again, I know that there are several more budget meetings in the upcoming weeks. Um, and as council members, we have had many conversations on racial equity on this council. Um, and as we move forward, I think we have to continue to keep this at the forefront. Um, and I have been really struggling on figuring out like, how can a council really take a racial equity lens when we do when we make decisions, right? Um, what is the racial equity analysis for this budget proposal? I mean, that's a question I think all of us should reflect on, right? What is the racial equity analysis on the budget proposal that's in front of us? Do marginalized communities, will they have better outcomes because of the dollars that we're investing? Um, so I will just lay out a few, right? Do we have investment in language equity and access? Um, I think I've asked for that multiple times, right? And we need a strategy around that. Um, support for our minor, minority owned businesses. I think economic development, we're, we're seeing some of that work through our CARES dollars, uh, but do we see that in our, our general budget? I think we've heard over and over again regarding support for our young people. You know, is that reflected in our budget? Yes, there's a portion of the budget, but how much and, the, and its impact, right? And so I, I want to, for all of us to think about that as we're making decisions. Um, I know we're not voting on it, on this today, it's the beginning process of our budget. Um, but these are the questions that I ask myself um, when I'm looking at the 800 page report, right? How is anyone, folks in the city's lives much better because of this budget? Um, again, I think it's really important for us to be intentional in, in our investment. I have several asks and I feel like I could sit here in this meeting and go through a few things that I like to see for my district, for the city wide, everything from food justice, 
right, to support for public works. There are so many need in this city, um, but I'm not going to list them today because I, what I really want to bring forth is for all of us to really think about the racial, the racial equity piece, um, that as we move forward, that has to be the center of everything that we do and this, the decisions that we make. And so whether that's through our general fund and Measure U, whether that's through the American Rescue Plan or our city grants, right, that we need to make that decisions, our decisions through a racial equity analysis. And that's really what I want to emphasize today in my comments, Mayor, uh, because I do think that that is really um, the gold star um, and our, our gold star in terms of how we plan to invest in the city. Thank you. Thank you very much, Councilmember, and thank you to each of my colleagues for very thoughtful comments. Um, I'd like to, uh, we are, are we required to vote here? Um, Yes, Mr. Mayor, you're passing a motion forwarding to the City Council. Forwarding the budget uh, for discussion purposes. Discussion. For consideration, discussion. yes. For consideration. But we're not voting on the budget until we go through uh, each of the uh, components of the budget over the next number of weeks, correct? M Mayor, that's correct. And if I could ask Don to perhaps bring up the budget schedule. Laney Milstein, Assistant City Manager, then you all can reflect on yeah. what our next upcoming hearing is our next is may 18th and we start with the larger overview to council as well as what we call the depart consolidated departments which are everything but police fire and uh gypsy and then you'll hear from those departments on may 25th and then we'll be back to budget and audit on june 8th with budget adoption scheduled on june 15th and i know that there are also some holds for um, emergency hearings, and I'll let Don fill in if there's anything I've left out. Anything else, uh, Don? On no, uh, I think we're good. Okay, so let, I'll get back to my comments then. I just wanted to reflect on or, or just clarify the process going forward. So, in terms of what we are presented here, uh, I talked a little bit about how. I guess I have, um, I still have a little PTSD from my days as the Senate pro tem when we were cutting budgets um, by the billions. And, um, and so I see this period of time um, as a real fortunate one for our city uh, and for our society where we can actually reimagine what is possible. And it is true that Budgets are both a statement of our community's values and also an imperfect instrument. Excuse me, I think somebody needs, needs to mute here. Thank you. Budgets are both a statement of our community values and an imperfect instrument because we are never able to do everything we want at one time. Budgets are best looked at when you're able to look back over four or five years and to see where you've actually moved the arc of the organization in the city. When I became mayor four and a half years ago, this community said loud and clear, expand your vision city of what has been traditionally seen as the city's core priorities. There's no question that the city is a work in progress, but over these last four plus years, the city has made a consistent, intentional change to our core priorities. 
The community said, invest more in our neighborhoods, especially our disadvantaged neighborhoods. Invest more in affordable housing. Invest more in youth and workforce development. And so I think the numbers really matter here. And if you remember at our last budget and audit committee meeting, I pointed out that there was a better way, I think, to actually ascertain the city's progress on meeting its promises, including the Measure U promise. And here was the problem, and here is, it, it is now it is here is now how it is beginning to be fixed in terms of how we report. Prior to this budget, since the passage of the second half cent of Measure U, the staff has tried to categorize what was expended under Measure U, both the first half cent and the second half cent, and what was expended through the general fund. And the, the categorizations, frankly, were rather subjective. And the problem is that Measure U and the general fund are one and the same thing. So I asked a different question at our last budget and audit committee. I asked the staff to look at the baseline of expenditures at the time the second half of Measure U passed in November of 2018, not take credit, so to speak, for continuing those expenditures, but ask how have we increased the baseline in the categories of inclusive economic development, youth, housing, and homelessness since the second half of Measure U passed? from either Measure U and or the general fund. And I asked the staff to use this definition, and you will find it on SB15, Exhibit B. And you're probably going to get tired of me talking about this over the course of the next couple of weeks, but I think it is that important. The staff defined inclusive economic development, investment or investments as the following. Investments that expand economic opportunities that benefit underserved and underrepresented communities, thereby reduce social, racial, health, and economic disparities in these communities through public and private actions that are responsive to community need and builds on resident assets. These investments foster small business growth, increase quality jobs, stabilize people in safe and affordable homes, prepare residents of all ages to fill those jobs, improve neighborhoods, and increase household wealth. And then I asked him to add one other piece to that, and that is our effort to combat climate change in our city. What Exhibit 5B shows is that since November of 2018, which is now three and one half years, the city has expended, and by the way, not including CARES funding. We don't take credit for that. We could, I suppose, and make the argument. Remember, that was $80 million of additional money into housing and homelessness, workforce development and youth, small business with a focus on disadvantaged uh, businesses and our commercial corridors, and tourism and the creative economy. We don't include CARES. So just the general fund and measure you Taking the baseline, not taking credit for what we were spending, we have added 
$119,557,946 to the city's investment since the passage of the second half of Measure U. Now, in 2019, I gave a State of the City address at the Sam Pinnell Community Center, where I proposed, and the City Council ultimately approved, allocating at least $40 million a year of the second half cent to the categories that I just described. We are now three and one half years into the implementation of the second half of Measure U, and we have spent, as I just said, almost $120 million. Rough math, give or take, that's about $40 million a year, not including the CARES funding. Now, we have a long, long way to go, as Councilmember Bang and Councilmember Geta and Councilmember Jennings all pointed out. And we're going to have new opportunities through the American Relief Act. And as our revenues continue to grow, to be able to invest more out of our general fund and out of Measure U. So there are many ways to debate the budget and look at the budget. You can look at increases in categories of, of spending it that you don't like, and that's legitimate. Or you can step back and take the big picture and ask the question, when we have new, a new dollar, where are we putting the majority of that new dollar? And I would argue that we have changed the culture of the city. And yes, we could go backwards, and we won't. And yes, we have a long way to go, but culture change is happening before our eyes. The fact that the city manager, and I give him great credit for this, and the budget team, proposes over $2 million for the creative economy out of the general fund is a statement in and of itself. The fact that there's $1.4 million for violence prevention is a statement in and of itself. The fact that the city now considers the youth pop-ups and free transit passes a poor part of the city budget is a statement in and of itself. And so I'm going to keep going back to this exhibit and I'm going to ask that the city staff continue to update this over the months and the years ahead, because this is the true measure of whether or not we are continuing to change the culture of our city and redefine our priorities, not by eliminating pre-existing priorities, but by expanding what we care about to include investing in our communities, investing in our young people, uh, alleviating poverty, addressing the housing and homeless crisis. In that budget sheet, there's just a mere $31 million sitting there in a housing trust fund, $10 million of which is going to be taken up today by the city council. That's culture change. So let's keep going in this direction, in an aggressive direction, and not look back and never be satisfied because there's a lot of need out there. Good start, everybody. Let's take a motion. Mr. Mayor. Okay, moved by Councilman Guetta, seconded by Councilmember Jennings to- Mr. Um, Mayor, I was, I was gonna move the uh, item okay. with, the, uh, with the direction of uh, the uh, adjustment that uh, uh, City Manager Chan mentioned. 
uh, and also to uh, forward to the city council, um, whether it's through, uh, through through the staff report, the the issues identified by uh, members of the law and ledge committee, um, and uh, and also to bring up a point, uh, I think. Uh, so that I'll leave that motion there. So move move the the staff report to uh, to address the issue that the city manager Chan. And also bring up the issues of uh, that are identified, such as advanced peace and others there um, for the council dialogue. I know we have a number of hearings on there. Uh, that'll be the motion. Um, and uh, but I, I do want to um, highlight your point and and include this other direction. Uh, the 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 Biden administration has has put forward forty billion dollars in um, early childhood education and assistance for back to work child care support. That's the largest since World War II, but it's coming through multiple pots. And I, 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 I feel it's going to be critical for us to, in, uh, as you mentioned, not just look at the, the city budget, general fund budget, but looking at all of these different pots that are different from ARP so that we have the totality and understand the totality of what is available and how we're, how we're addressing that forward. So as part of when we come to the budget and the final budget, um, I think by the time we're voting on the budget, I think it's going to be appropriate that we look at the totality of the revenues that are that are we're going to be able to put to use. Uh, finally, uh, because of that, I know the Latino Economic Council has proposed a uh, you know, number of workforce issues um, and uh, creating a workforce center and a health center of $20 million with a number of other entities. And I think all of those pieces fall within those different buckets. So. Uh, I'll leave the motion there, but I think we need to see the total picture as we move forward with the budget. Okay. Is there a second? Again, you're not, nobody's committing to voting for this budget exactly as is. It's just to move it forward for discussion pursuant to what Councilmember Geta uh, addressed in his motion. It's procedural. I will make the second to move the motion forward for the entire council to be able to discuss and, and, and uh, debate on. Okay. Uh, that's excellent. Uh, let's call the roll then, please. Councilmember Guetta? Aye. Councilmember Jennings? Aye. Councilmember Vang? Yes. And Mayor Steinberg? Yes. Okay. Uh, very good start. Good discussion, everybody. Um, members, um, let's move now to the master fee schedule, item four. Uh, can you see my screen? Yes, we can. Okay, thank you. Uh, good morning, Mayor Steinberg and committee members. My name is Jason Bader with the Finance Department. The item before you is the annual citywide fees and charges report. The citywide fees and charges policy sets the guidelines to determine cost recovery levels and establishes a process to add, modify, and delete fees and charges. All fees included in the report qualify as exceptions to Proposition 26, which prohibits the city from increasing taxes by defining them as fees. Staff is recommending adding 30 new fees, modifying 132 fees, and deleting 16 fees for a total of 178 changes affecting eight departments. This will result in approximately $3.6 million in department revenue budget adjustments for the general fund and $109,000 for other funds. The associated revenue adjustments are necessary to provide appropriate cost recovery related to city programs and services 
and these increases are included as part of the FY21-22 proposed budget. Over 90% of this year's revenue changes are attributed to two programs and services. The Solid Waste Authority is being dissolved effective June 30th, 2021, resulting in the city and county taking over their respective functions. This results in a $3.1 million change in the Public Works General Fund revenue budget, which is offset by a like increase in expenditures to support operations. Additionally, the Youth Parks and Community Enrichment Department is adding fees for operation of the North Potomac Community Center Aquatics Complex. Staff continues to monitor the pandemic's impact on all revenues and will be recommending changes during the mid-year budget process if necessary. If you have specific questions about items included in the report, we have staff available from all eight departments here today. Staff is recommending that the, sorry, that the committee pass a motion and forward the citywide fee and charge adjustments to city council. Thank you. Um, is there public testimony on the, uh, the fee schedule? I believe I have one caller on the item, but I believe they wanted okay. to. I believe they wanted to speak on item three. Do you want to take them now? Yes. Thank you. May have we call her, please? May we have the caller, please? Uh, Mr. Merritt Piercy, they hung up. Okay. So that's that's it on the calls? That's correct. I have no callers. Okay. Let's take a motion then. Moved. Second. Okay. Call the roll, please. Councilmember Guerra? Aye. Councilmember Jennings? Aye. Councilmember Vang? Yes. Mayor Steinberg? Yes. Okay. We have the continuous cannabis monitoring report um, and going back and forth a little bit with um, with our auditor, Mr. Rosagueta. Um, I'm inclined maybe to say we just uh, waive the report and take this to the city council uh, so that we don't have to hear it twice. I think it's unless members have questions, unless there's um, Public testimony. Uh, I, I have a uh, questions, uh, uh, Mr. Mayor. Okay, well, why don't you put your question out there? I just want to see if we might short circuit this a little bit. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I'm ready to make a motion if that's if if we're prepared for that. Go ahead. Um, I'd like to, Mr. Mayor. I'd like to move the uh, city uh, managers. I mean, the city auditor's report. Uh, but uh, as it relates to uh, item. Um, the findings on the funding for uh, youth outreach. Uh, I'd like to move the city managers, uh, the city auditor's report, uh, also directing staff to come back uh, at the council with a um, uh, a uh, a proposal to uh, to create a convene a stakeholder group that would draft an RFP to ensure that we could uh, execute those dollars at the middle school level. To address the issue of, uh, of uh, substance abuse for youth. Um, and uh, I'll move that in, in, in that form, Mr. City, Mr. Mayor. Okay. Is there a second? I'll All right. It. I'll second it. It's fine. Um, Mr. Zugueta, we do have one caller. Let's hear from the public and then we'll turn it over to you for a moment. Okay. Thank you. May I have my first caller? 
May we have the caller, please? Welcome to the meeting. You have two minutes to address the committee. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon, Mayor and Council. My name is Brandon Lewis, and I am the program manager for the Sacramento Grow Green program, which is part of the core program uh, with the Sacramento Asian Chamber. Uh, we would like to voice our support for the creation and funding of a new position in the Office of Cannabis Management to educate the community and kids about the risks of cannabis. According to the Today Show, kids are using social media such as Twitter and Instagram to illegally purchase cannabis. Community outreach and education is part of the mission of the Office of Cannabis Management, and we need to make sure they have the resources to fulfill this important part of their mission. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. I have no more callers. Okay. Mayor, um, sorry, it's Lainey Milstein, if I may, for one moment. Please. I'd like to let uh, Councilmember Guerra also know that um, what we are going to be proposing when we bring back the city manager's budget and the consolidated report is to take the annual funding that's provided for our education and outreach program and transition that into split it, provide some funding for an FTE to actually help our division um, of cannabis management um, actually implement this policy because right now we don't have staff to do that. Um, that staff will also help us focus and refocus on our core program, and then we will have um, remaining funding to actually run the program. We also have, as this report indicates, several years of funding in the bank that can help us pay for that over time, and I believe that we will also save additional dollars to be used to be spent over time. So we'll include that in what's included in the consolidated report. Thank you. Okay, thank, thank you. Milstein, uh, but that. Uh, and if the city manager includes that as part of the budget uh, report, that's fine, but that's not part of this motion here. And I, but I appreciate the recommendation for that. Okay. All right. Let's uh, call the roll, please. Councilmember Guetta? Aye. Councilmember Jennings? Aye. Councilmember Vang? Yes. And Mayor Steinberg? Yes. Okay. That's the meeting. Uh, for today. Mr. Rosaguet, I'm sorry, I, I called the roll. Did you want to add anything? I, I didn't mean to just skip over you. I know we had texted earlier. Uh, it's all right. No, um, I, I would just mention that, you know, we uh, wanted to thank the Office of uh, Cannabis Management and the Attorney's Office for their help and cooperation in this project. You know, we work collaboratively to continue to seek out opportunities for improvement with um, both Office of Cannabis Management and the City Manager's Office, and we look forward to continuing that relationship, and we'll provide a more detailed presentation when we bring this item before the Mayor and City Council. Very good. We look forward to that. Uh, members, members of the public, city staff, if there's nothing else to come before the committee, we are adjourned. Thank you. We don't get